Hello, and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Friday, September the 3rd. I'm Richard Woolley, editor in Reorg's London office, and this week I'm going to be speaking to primary reporter Beatrice Mavrolian and financial analyst Jacob Parker about UK food retailer Iceland, and senior financial analyst Norse Seher about German real estate group Adler. Iceland came to the primary market in February when it priced £250 million worth of senior secured notes to yield 4.375% and to mature in 2028. The notes have declined over recent months and are now trading around 93.5 to yield 5.54%. I asked Beatrice what had happened since the issuance. Iceland, like other UK food retailers, has been facing a number of problems recently, including food and staff shortages, such as a lack of heavy goods vehicle drivers and price inflation across food and non-consumables. Meanwhile, consumers are starting to return to their pre-COVID shopping habits as public health measures are relaxed, which means that the boost that retailers got from people eating more at home rather than in restaurants or at work is set to be at least partially reversed. Okay. And are there any signs that this readjustment in shopping behaviour is having an impact on the company at all? Not from the company itself at this point, but the results for the quarter that ended in June are expected to be published next week. And Iceland has said that performance will be inevitably lower than in the comparable period last year, which was boosted by the first national lockdown and a surge in demand for food retail, although the company said that results will be stronger than pre-COVID 2019 levels. Data from a market research company, Kantar, seems to support this because it shows that take-home grocery sales fell 5.1% year-over-year during the 12 weeks to July 11th, although it also said that sales are significantly stronger than in 2019. The last company results um, to be released were for the quarter that ended in March, and revenue was up 6% year-over-year, while EBITDA was 4% higher. Right. And has management said anything about the impact of these supply-side problems? Iceland's managing director, Richard Walker, recently told the BBC that he thinks the UK's shortage of truck drivers now amounts to about 100,000, with the company itself about 100 short. He said that the driver shortage is impacting the food supply chain on a daily basis and leading to shortages on the shelves. There have been deliveries cancelled for the first time since the pandemic began, sometimes about 30 to 40 deliveries a day and he believes that the shortages could impact Christmas this year. This is obviously important for the company because sales over Iceland's third quarter ending January have made up for 32% of total sales in the last three fiscal years. Jacob, could you put some of this in in context, maybe looking at um, other issuers in the sector and and how their bonds are doing, uh, and also maybe talking a little bit about what other issues Iceland note holders are citing or facing? Hi, Richard. So far, we haven't seen any comparable decline in bonds issued by other food retailers. We saw Iceland's 2028 notes decline quite quickly after they were issued in February, and they have since fallen further over recent months. There are a few possible drivers of the fall. The first point to make is that they price very tight at 4.375% compared to initial guidance, which was in the mid to high 4% area, and also compared to the bonds of similar issuers at the time. We think the timing of the issue was quite opportunistic given Iceland was seeing record EBITDA and cash generation fueled by the pandemic. The main problems for investors though were very tight margins and high leverage. And a key question was whether or not the changing consumer trends would be short-lived or more permanent. Iceland's cash generation will likely remain elevated in the short term 
and there may be some deleveraging from free cash flow. But if consumer shopping habits continue to revert further and further to what we saw before the pandemic, Iceland's EBITDA should also fall quite significantly and leverage will creep back up again. Net leverage at present is about 4.1 times, but if EBITDA were to fall back to levels seen before the pandemic, you're probably looking at net leverage of about 5.4 times and a business with fairly weak cash generation. Some investors argued that the company should have used the extra cash generated during the pandemic to delever, but Iceland used some cash for a £115 million management buyout, in which the company's founder Malcolm Walker and CEO Tarsum Daliwal took full ownership of the group after they bought Brait's remaining stake in June last year. They also paid £40 million for the acquisition of individual restaurants estate in November. Investors were quite puzzled by the company's decision to buy a restaurant business, but management defended the purchase by saying that they saw an undervalued asset and an opportunity to make some money. Bear in mind, though, that this all happened before the issuance of the 2028 notes in February, and the subsequent decline is probably a function of how tightly they issued, as well as changes in expectations for financial performance. Now, uh, I'm lucky enough to be joined uh, in person now by uh, financial analyst Noor Seher, who's going to talk to us about Adler Group. Thanks for joining us, Noor. Thank you, Richard. Um, so the German real estate group, Adler Group, um, has been getting a lot of attention recently, and uh, that's made the prices of its equity and its bonds be a bit ver- uh, volatile. Um, at least two funds have announced short positions in the group's equity, and JP Morgan has been reported to be short in the group's bonds. Noor, can you tell us what are the main concerns around the Adler Group? So the group first raised eyebrows after it was mistakenly rumoured to be the target of short-seller voice research. After that, JP Morgan was reported to be shorting the bonds, and Gladstone and Susquehanna International announced a short position in the group's equity. This led many investors raising concerns about the group's material adjustments to LTV, related party transactions, and the valuation of its development portfolio. Okay. And has management made any effort to address these issues? So management did try to address some of these issues on the second quarter investor call. They acknowledged there was a short short seller in the market and said it was being led by a fund, management, a fund manager who was previously invested in Adler Real Estate and did not support the merger. Management said they plan to address investor concerns through greater transparencies and good financial results. They gave detailed disclosures around a billion euros of receivables used to adjust LTV calculation, which seems to have addressed one of the major areas of concern. However, some investor still remains concerned about related party transaction. There is still unease about the valuation of the group's development portfolio, which stems from a change in valuer to a niche player to NI Apollo. Numerous press stories have also linked the group to Austrian businessman Cavadit Kanner, who was previously acquitted of fraud and money laundering charges, and two of his businesses have gone bankrupt. Adler denies any links to Kanner. Okay. And what's your view on, on the group's financials and the bonds? I do think the second quarter call helped ease a lot of the concerns around the company's LTV adjustment and gave a much better view of its future strategy. The group's overall performance did deteriorate after the consolidation of Consus, which it acquired last year. 
but the performance of its core residential rental portfolio remains strong. Adler plans to sell all of Konsu's non-recurring build-to-sell and will focus on build-to-hold, which will, uh, which it expects would double rental EBITDA in the next six to eight years. Given the strong performance of the rental business and the group's double B rating, things appear to be fine financially. There also appears to be no near-term trigger. With respect to the bonds, I just think the bonds are not attractive on a relative value basis. The LTV-adjusted spreads are much tighter than other comparable bonds of property companies. Structurally, the bonds are quite junior, and the group can just add a lot of more secured debt above the bonds. With around a 2.5% yield, the notes just don't offer enough upside in light of the concerns raised and the attack from short sellers. Okay, thanks, Noel. As always, you can find more about the situations discussed on this week's podcast on our website, reorg.com. I'll be back in two weeks with another Reorg Europe podcast, but until then, stay safe and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>